Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review... Larry D. returns from hibernation to kick things off with our first opponent preview of the season. And we get started with our same place opponents as Sequoia Sims joins us from the Bay Area to talk about the 49ers. Is Chip Kelly the answer for the Niners or will the spiral for them continue? All of this and so much more on part one of the same place opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Well, they definitely don't call me Slim Shady, but you can call me back because that's exactly what I am. I have returned and uh, hopefully be back on quite a regular pace between now and training camp as we get things kicked off for our opponent preview episode starting with our same place opponents and ironically starting with one of the only teams that I wasn't able to get a representative for last year in the San Francisco 49ers. What's going on everybody? Larry D back part one of our same place opponent previews. We're going to have uh, our new friend Sequoia Sims uh, joining us to talk about the San Francisco 49ers and uh, next time up we'll close out our same place opponents with our uh, with our with our, with our other good friend, uh, Sander Phillips from Bucks Nation on SBNation.com. I uh, had a conversation with him uh, as well. We're going to be releasing that here in a few days. So, you know, very cool to be back and doing this. Um, this is episode one of what I hope will be 15 shows between now and and training camp so we've got our work cut out for us hope you guys are ready to absorb some information to hear some good conversation about what the bears have in front of them uh in 2016 now we've got and i want to i say 15 because we got 14 opponents uh to play uh this year is it four? it's 13 excuse me so 14 episodes not not 15 14 so 14 episodes we have our uh, well actually it would be 15 no I'm here's all right. Here's where I'm, here's where my mind's at. Number one, the Bears have 13 different teams on the schedule. We have our four from the AFC uh, South, our four from the NFC uh, East. We have our two same place opponents, so that's 10. And then we have our three divisional opponents that we play twice. There's your 13. Episode 14, as you guys know, would be all about the Bears, and that will be the show that we do last. Hopefully we can get our friend Jeff Dickerson uh, back on the show. If not, we'll, uh, we'll see what else we can, uh, we can wrangle up. Maybe we'll have Ron Rugg from Football is America uh, back on the show or you know what have you. Uh, there we'll try to see what we can finagle uh, for the Bears there at the end and then what I was thinking was 
15 will be the picks that stick, but that comes at the end of the preseason, as you guys know. So that's more of the, the fourth and final episode of the preseason when we talk about the last uh, preseason game, if there's anything worth talking about. We talk about final cuts, the roster, and then we make our predictions for the season and see how well things turn out when the season uh, closes. So this is one of 14, number one of 14 episodes between now and the start of training camp before we get down into the nitty-gritty. So we're closing the book on free agency, closing the book on the draft. Now it's that that lull in the schedule, in the NFL schedule between now and uh, training camp. The Bears kicked off OTAs today. Uh, I follow them on Snapchat. It was only about six or seven uh, different little snaps of, you know, the guys going through warm-ups today. So so nothing uh, of the guys doing drills or in practice or anything like that. Got to see Kyle Long walking side-by-side with, with, with Bobby Massey, so they're already hanging out with each other on the field. Uh, Cody White here was getting warmed up, you know, things like that. So, so nothing real mind-blowing or special or anything like that. But the Bears are in OTAs. They are getting after it uh, right now and preparing for the 2016 uh, campaign. So no real news uh, on the Bears side of things uh, other than the fact that we've signed. Um, I think we even ta- had a chance to talk about it before was that the Bears have signed nine of their um, 11 draft picks. Everybody but um, Leonard Floyd and uh, Jonathan Bullard uh, have not. Maybe they signed and I just haven't heard yet or I maybe I missed that. But as of today, uh, the 24th, let's let's just call it the 25th because that's when this is coming out. Um, as I'm recording this here, I no news on Leonard Floyd signing, no news on Jonathan Bullard signing just yet. But everyone else from Cody Whitehair, our second-round pick, and down have all signed their contracts are and uh, are uh, raring to go uh, for the Bears. So other than that, there's no real, uh, no real news uh, out there for the Bears uh, right now. So... Uh, you know, we'll just go ahead and, and dive into our conversation uh, with Sequoia Sims and um, just a little uh, background on him. Like, you know, like I was saying uh, before, um, we, we, we didn't have anybody for the 49ers uh, last year. So that was kind of a bummer, uh, not being able to fill out the entire uh, roster of opponents when it came time to do the, the, the regular season uh, previews, you know, the, the preview episodes each week. Um, so it really kind of was a priority, especially since the 49ers were, were back on the schedule again uh, this year. Really wanted to be able to get somebody on the show to talk about them because they're such an interesting uh, team. Because of you know the, the one-year failed experiment with uh, with Jim Tom Sula, with the way that they kind of imploded with you know uh, you even hear me say it when I talk to Sequoia, rats on a sinking ship with the, with the retirements, Chris Borland, Patrick Willis, Justin Smith, all those guys retired, Mike Upati defected via free agency, and there were others as well that uh, that were leaving. And then the whole mess with 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 Colin Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbert and how that quarterback situation uh, went down, and then firing Tom Sula after they went five and eleven, bringing in Chip Kelly, which among like general sports football fans, I should say, general football fans, not very, not a very well looked upon move uh, for the 49ers, especially with the way things just absolutely crumbled for him. Uh, there at the end in in Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, for a, for a team uh, and a franchise that was kind of struggling uh, to get things going, 
uh, Chip Kelly really didn't seem like the guy who would be able to handle the chaos. Uh, but it's it's West Coast. That's where Kelly's you know from, or that's where he made his name. Coaching on the West Coast uh, at Oregon. Um, it's it's a, f- a franchise. You hear Sequoia tell us it's a franchise that needed help offensively, and for all their flaws that they had in Philadelphia, the Eagles were actually pretty good at scoring points. So this is a guy that you need to bring in, and uh, we'll we'll see how it all uh, uh, unfolds for them. And I really wanted to have somebody on the show that follows the team the way that you and I and all my Bear fan friends here follow our beloved Chicago Bears. And we finally found our guy uh, in Sequoia Sims. Uh, he, when I found him, he was writing for uh, fansided.com's uh, Niners page. Uh, he has since uh, – he's branching out on his own. He's going to start his own, his own website, his own blog, talking about sports, football, the 49ers, uh, and so on. It hasn't launched just yet. But, um, you know, follow him on uh, on Twitter and, and uh, you know, we'll have him back on the show in December when the Bears and 49ers play, uh, you know, pretty much to kick off the fourth quarter of the season and uh, see how the blog and the website and everything is going. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll go on uh, uh, from there. So um, I did. Uh, that's where I found him was on Fansided, which is actually run, I believe, by Sports Illustrated if I'm not uh, mistaken. So definitely a guy, and when you hear him talk, he definitely knows his stuff. Had a great time talking to him, so let's go ahead and dive in to our conversation with Sequoia Sims about the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, yeah. I get around. Still clown with the underground when we come around. And as we move forward with our same place opponent shows, last year, if you guys remember, we played the 49ers as part of the NFC West uh, division that we played. Could not find a 49ers guy. Well, I went out and I found one. Uh, I had to go to a different, you know, like we stuck with SB Nation for the most part last year. Went to fansided.com, the 49er page there, and found Mr. Sequoia Sims, uh, who's going to be branching out on his own uh, in the near future. Don't know the name of the website yet, but we can find him on Twitter. Sequoia, welcome to the show, and where can my f- uh, listeners find you on Twitter so we can find out when your new blog is coming out? Oh, uh, at Q39 uh, Sims on Twitter. That's where they can find me. Okay, cool. And welcome to the Chicago Bears Review. It's a pleasure to be here, Larry. So tell me, um, you know, this is your first time on the show. So what we like to do is kind of get to know you a little bit before we dive into the the 49ers. So um, where are you from and how long have you been a Niners fan? Well, uh, basically I was uh, from from the Bay Area. I was born in San Francisco, raised in Oakland. Uh, I've been a 49er fan, wow, at least the last, let's say, 35 years. Okay. Uh, when I was a little boy in Candlestick, uh, my mother had a picture of me and Clean Eastwood as a little baby. And, <laughs> uh, you know, who he's a 49ers fan. And so I never forgotten that. Uh, and so uh, when I was little, you know, my mother used to take me to the games, man. And, and I've been a Niner fan uh, ever since I fell in love with this team. So you actually live in the Bay Area now? Uh, yes. Okay. Because one of the things that was kind of a running theme last year with all the different uh, bloggers and beat writers and everybody that I spoke to, I had about a dozen or so people on the show last year, and I think three actually lived in the market of the team that they were covering or rooting for uh, or whatever. I mean, I've, I had 
Like my my Tampa Bay Buccaneers guy lives in the Netherlands. Um, my my Broncos uh, f- uh, contact lived in South Carolina. I mean, just everywhere. It was like I, it was it was rare that I found someone who actually lived in the in the market that they were covering uh, there. So you're in the Bay Area. So you're right there in the middle of it all. Uh, yes, without question. I think that's one of the things that gives me a great insight about this team because uh, I know them intimately. Have you been out to Levi Stadium yet? You know what, uh, Larry, I haven't. Uh, that's on the to-do list uh, this year. And a lot of reasons why that is is because I'm a guy that likes to sit at home and watch and analyze the game and, and enjoy the game, etc. I've never been a big uh, go-to-the-game uh, guy, but I've went to several games before. But I, my preference is to watch the game at home. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page with you uh with that one. So what would you say is your your favorite moment as a fan? Like growing up, the you know, what what moment sticks out in your head is that was that was my favorite 49er moment. Well, I, I think off the top of my head, uh the drive against the Cincinnati Bengals, I believe it was uh the uh, 1989 uh year when John Taylor caught that uh, past uh, part of the dynasty years, uh, you know, just everything that happened on that drive from Rice to, to Craig uh, to Taylor in the closing seconds. Um, I think the catch as well uh, going to uh, more, I guess you could say, recently with the T.O. catch, uh, catch two, if you will. Yeah. Uh, that those were historic moments because Green Bay was a thorn on our side. We could not beat them for nothing. And uh, Steve Young had slipped on that play when he went back, pe- backpedaled. Mm-hmm. And to hit him in the scene after Tito had dropped all those passes throughout that game. Uh, and then he started, you know, crying and emotion right. uh, on the sidelines with Steve Marucci and no one gave up on him. And, I, and it, my heart dropped. So I like, wow, yes. Okay, so going into 2015 last year, um, it was supposed to be a mess. Um, the the whole coaching search and you guys, in my opinion, settled for for Tom Sula. Um, you had, you know, for, for a while, and forgive the term, but it, it seemed like the 49ers was like, like rats off a sinking ship. Patrick Willis retired, um, you know, just like just uh, Smith retired and uh, Borland retired. I mean, everybody was leaving and, and everything. And then it's like it's just like the opinion of the 49ers were so low. And then week one happened and y'all stomped the Vikings into the ground. What was was it kind of like an I told you so? What was your, your thought going into last season? And then how did you feel after week one last year? Well, obviously, no doubt. Uh with all the retirements and the people that we lost, uh, definitely mainly on defense, you know, it was shell shocking as a fan. Um, But there's this part of you that's the faithful that tries to hold on to the hope and be optimistic. And, And so that's what happened with the first game of the season with Minnesota, because after the retirement as a fan, you said, you know what? Uh, we still have some talent. We still have that guy, Carlos Hyde. 
uh, we got the acquisition of, you know, of Torrey Smith, and you still had Navarro coming back. So there were some bright spots to hang our head on. So when you see the Minnesota Vikings game, you got a glimpse at that moment of, wow, if this could be the formula, how we could win, right? Uh, unfortunately, that didn't last too long. Right, and you proceeded to lose the next four games a combined. I did the math, 137 to 55, and um, then pretty much the rest of the season kind of took form uh, based on that. Kaepernick got – was was he hurt and then benched, or did they just bench him? Well, here's the thing about it. Uh, Kaepernick, it's no secret that uh, he didn't perform up to expectations – Right. Um, and I think that the injury and him losing the team, and, and I don't believe that the injury was part, in my personal opinion, I don't believe that the injury was part of his performance. I believe the league caught up to him because Kaepernick was a one-read, one-sided quarterback that basically benefited from a great team around him that played defense that rushed the balls and special teams and, and had short fields once they caught up to the read option when they sent in 2012 2011 2012 so to speak they sent the whole nfc in particular to go down and study the read option in college when they came back they started hitting kaepernick after he would try to make the read option and then Jim Harbaugh went away from it, tried to make a pocket passer. Then you fast forward to 2015, and then the games that he was inaccurate. He's never really been an accurate passer. He's been somewhat around that 60% or lower, really overall in his whole career. So when you sit back and really look at Kaepernick, it was the accuracy issues. It was the pocket presence. And at the same time, too, it was in his inability to read defenses, and it eventually caught up to him. The poor play, losing confidence in your teammates, and then eventually he had to get benched in favor of Blaine Gabbert. And then Gabbert, much to everyone's surprise, including my own, actually played pretty well for the second half of the season, including beating my Bears last year in overtime, which I'm still not over <laughs> that one. That. You know what, man? You know, you're a 49ers fan. You guys won that game. I'm not trying to take anything from you, but the Bears lost that one more than as and, and in, in regulation at least cuz in overtime, you guys you the big play to Torrey Smith at the end. I got nothing to say about that, but Robbie Gold missing field goals. We had holding penalties on a kick return for a touchdown. Uh, what a mess that game. Well, if you if you'd have heard the review show that I did on that one, it was all Bitching and moaning, bitching and moaning, bitching and moaning. I just was so upset about losing uh, that game, you know. And and the way that it finished with that big play to Torrey Smith, that was just like a, a knife in the heart in that game. You know what, Larry, I have to agree with you on that. Uh, my feeling in that game was, hey, Chicago's not putting us away. They're letting us hang around. Right. And eventually, if they keep doing that, we got a boxer's chance. And so, to me, that's what happened. Um, right. And and everything played out the way it played out. Now, I do believe that the kicker, uh, you know, you guys' kicker, 
Yeah, he, yeah. yeah he, he, he choked, obviously. Let's call it what oh, it is. Oh, God, did he ever. Let's call it what it is. And then he yeah. gave us life. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, in, in overtime, you guys, you guys went out and you earned it, but it should have never gotten to that point last year. I'm still salty about that. <laughs> that one, that one still bothers me. But um, so the rest of the season uh, unfolds five and 11 uh, overall. He went one and five in the NFC West, um, you know, and I think it wasn't until the last game of the season you guys finally won. A division game against the Rams, is that correct? That was our only division uh, yeah. game that we won in our division, to be exact. And yes, and that was an overtime victory uh, as well. Right. So after one year, Tom Sula is shown uh, shown the door. You guys bring in uh, Chip Kelly. So for the next few years, I think Tom Sula got like a four or five year deal. He's going to be paid to sit at home and, and watch the 49ers on TV. 14 instead million. Of, uh, yeah, fourteen million over the next what three or four years or so. Correct. Yeah, that's I take that. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, sign a five year deal. I only have to pay. I only have to work for one, and I get paid for the other four. That'll work. Yeah. But um, so you move on to to Chip Kelly now, and what was the feeling for you? And you know, your finger on the pulse of what's going on there. What was the thoughts on the hiring of Chip Kelly? Well, I'm gonna be honest with you, and I and I pull no punches there was mixed reviews. Uh, sure. Some of my long-term and long-time 49er uh, fans uh, that I talked to, uh, we didn't, we were very uneasy about the hire based upon what happened in Philly. Uh, it's no secret. It needs no introduction about the lack of connection and interpersonal skills that uh he was talked about saying that he lacked. Uh, and at the same time, you've heard numerous uh, reporting from NFL Network talking about, uh, you know, his offense wasn't going to work and the NFL wasn't sustainable. So you had all of these uh, questions and concerns. And as a fan, then I, I started to look at it more optimistic, more open-minded. And then it came to the conclusion was this. On the flip side, if we're going to look at this objectively, what does he bring to the table? And so when you look at it, in the three years that he's been in Philadelphia, his offenses, for the most part, were top five uh, in offense as far as scoring and producing points. His running mm -hmm. game in 2013 was number one. Right. And then in 2014, he was ranked ninth in rushing. In 2015, he was ranked 14th. So, and during that span, he had 51 touchdowns on the ground. So he has a commitment to running the ball, which when you got a feature back like Carlos Hyde, who's 24 years old, you say if he can stay healthy, we got something there. But the one thing I believe that the 49ers – uh, Brass brought him on because of his uh, his offensive mind, his ability to put up points. And I think this is a clear case, Larry, where need fit each other. The Niners were last in the league on offense, scoring points, third down, et cetera, et cetera. So who's the best, looking at it objectively, who's the best offensive-minded coach on the board far as out there 
and who has a track record of scoring points, and you need that. Up comes Chip Kelly. So you weren't happy about it at first, but you've come around. I've come around to be more optimistic about it and seeing where this can go. And so I'm going to I'm going to set back and reserve and, and give him a chance uh, because I'm going to support the team, number mm-hmm. one. And and I do I do see where if he changes some things, and I do believe that the Niners have talent outside of what the naysayers say. So I think Chip Kelly can make something happen, but it remains to be seen. Right, it, and you know what your your take on this is very similar to the one that I had a couple of years ago when the Bears hired Mark Tressman to be their head coach. That's because, not yeah, yeah, um, he, um, you know, he went up to Canada. He had all that success up there. Um, the Bears under Lovey Smith were awesome on defense. Could not score a touchdown to save their lives. You know, the scoring point, they score more points on defense one year than they did on offense. That's how bad it was. So we let Lovey go. We go and get an offensive minded guy. Okay. He's not a head coach or doesn't have the experience, but he's a good offensive mind. We'll bring him in. We'll see what happens. I hope it turns out better for you than it did for us. So, because uh, that did not work out. I mean, he was great with the offense, but all of a sudden we got the worst defense in the NFL two years running and he's, he's out the door. So, um, yeah, so I hope that works out better for you than it did uh, for us. So going into this offseason, uh, the 49ers weren't very busy in free agent free agency this year. Was that a cap situation or just not really looking to, to, to add different bodies to the team? Or, you know, what was what was that all about this year? Okay, well, well let, let's call it what it is. Uh, the Niners had 54-plus million under the cap, top, top five, top three in cap yeah, space. Yeah. Right. But it was a weak free agent market. And so yep. you talking about paying guys all of that money who had never made a Pro Bowl, who had never got double digit sacks. Uh, f- for the most part, some of those guys that were on the market. Listen, a lot of these teams reach. And another thing, too, uh, Larry, let me point this out. Some of the teams like the Raiders and the Giants who hadn't spent money the last few years, the NFL has a certain protocol. If you don't spend the bottom percentage of your cap after so many years, you get basically fined or mm-hmm. sanctions. And right. so they were forced to spend that money on a week free agency and go per Trent Baalke, general, general manager Trent Baalke, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, he said it best. The Niners are a draft and develop team, but at the same time, they do not want to cause friction within the locker room by paying a guy coming in more than anybody else on the team. Um, so what they did, they addressed uh, Zane Bills from the Jaguars, a three-year deal worth about $11, $12 million for left guard. And so... He replaced Alex Boone, who went to Minnesota. That was a need. And then you bring, right. and you bring in a guy who knew Chip Kelly's offense, uh, the QB. So when you sit back and look at it, that's why they did what they did. So are they just going to hang on to that money for next year? Well, here's the thing. The Niners did this going into the offseason as well. 
They resigned Quentin Dow to a contract extension, a building block of the future, defensive tackle Quentin Dow uh, to an extension. You signed Ian Williams too, right? Ian Williams to extension, but Ian Williams had the ankle uh, uh, injury or surgery that he had. So the contract got tore up and it was a one-year deal for $5 million. But you resigned uh, Selleck, our tight end, to a contract extension, right? And you're looking to assign other players on the team for extensions to keep your own. Plus, let's say this. The silver lining is, is this. Blaine Gabbert's making $1.75 million on a base salary, and then with his workout bonus, it's somewhere around two, $2.5 If Blaine Gabbert plays well, guess who's going to be up for a contract extension at the end of the year? The Niners got the cap space. Right. So I think it was Chip Bulky, uh, uh, Trent Bulky, excuse me, he doesn't look from his front lawn. He looks down the street. So it's a big picture thinking here. Again, it remains to be seen. But but when you look at the New England Patriots, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, you look at Baltimore, they traditionally don't spend a lot of money in free agency. And they're competitive to the, into the playoffs. And at the same time, Super Bowl appearances consecutively almost every year. Why? They draft well. They extend the contracts of young core players. And they don't overspend in free agency. That is the blueprint that the 49ers are trying to do. Also, they also talk to the upper management of the upper brass of the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr because that's what they have done too. Okay. So speaking of the Kaepernick-Gabbert thing, is that going to be a competition going into camp? Are they handing the reins over to Kaepernick because he kind of fits more of what uh, Chip Kelly does? Or you know, what's the, what's the quarterback situation going to be like this year? Well, Larry, here's insight from someone who's out here and follows the team. Let me say this. This is on record. Colin Kaepernick does not have the respect of the locker room. And the whole locker room gravitates to Blaine Gabbert's leadership, his interpersonal skills, his ability to inter- interact and bond with all the teammates, special teams, defense, and offense. And Kaepernick is antisocial. There was a lot of different um, stories that were coming out, whether it be quote-unquote leaked out or whatever, but that Kaepernick would routinely sit in a corner with his headphones on and not discuss routes with his wide receivers when they would come up to him. Another thing, too, last year, it was it was reported this recently this offseason, off but last year, Blaine Gabbert was was watching four to five times more film film study than Blaine than uh excuse me Colin Kaepernick was per Bill Robinowski, what he had heard from the inside of the uh, 49ers brass and others. So you got to look at this: how can players respect you? If you're not totally working on your craft, ex 49er wide receiver Michael Crabtree, when he went over to the Raiders, he says, I need to play with a quarterback that wants to be the best. Some question Colin Kaepernick's work ethic. Now, they refer to him as a great weightlifter, uh, someone who really knows how to work out in the gym. But when it comes to really perfecting your craft, he 
was absent. When it comes to really interacting and building camaraderie, camaraderie amongst your team, he was absent. So Blaine Gabbard has gravitated to players and won the locker room. And now, per all reports, the upper management and brass of the 49ers are pulling for Blaine Gabbard to win this race. And, and, and quite honestly, Kaepernick is behind the eight ball because he was having a surgery. He was behind the uh, eight ball as far as OTAs and things of that nature. And so I, I really think that they're just going to try to have his value up just so they can try to move him at some point. So so the fan base in general was uh, was upset or at least not happy that the trade with Denver didn't go through. Yes, I believe you can say that. But Kaepernick still has the that fan base out there that are still tying in and hooked to the yesterday years. Football years go by so fast, and it seems so yeah. long ago, as you well know, Larry. Right. Uh, so it's all about what have you done for me lately in football, okay? And so three years ago, roughly, just seems like a long time ago. And so Kaepernick still had that fan base. But right now, if you saw a picture of Kaepernick, you wouldn't recognize him. He's so frail and skinny. Um, there's there's talks about his mental stability of, of does he even have the passion to want to be uh, uh, great? And, and, and does he really want to play football? Because think about this, which which doesn't really get talked about a lot. The deal was on the table for Denver. The Niners agreed to compensation. Kaepernick making a $12 million base, 11.9 to be exact. He could have went over to Denver on a Super Bowl caliber team, right? Right. For seven to eight, seven to eight million a year. That they just wanted him to lose four or five million. Now it's easy for us to say, right? But look, why not? Why not bank and bet on yourself, Cap? If you want to get out of San Francisco so bad, then go over to Denver, bank on yourself. You can get that back in incentives. Why wouldn't you do it? If you want to win a championship, if you want to get out that bad, why wouldn't you do it? If football and winning is important to you, why wouldn't you? So you got to question his motives. And, and look, there's a saying, Larry, and you know this, the players know it first. That's why I believe that they all have gravitated among the reasons that I pointed out to Blaine Gabbert. All right. So we got, uh, you know, Gabbert, or at least we're pulling for Gabbert to, to win the job. If Kelly wants to turn it into a competition, at least for the fans or, to, you know, to make it a show or, you know, or maybe just to even drub up some emotion in, in, in training camp. What's the running game going to look like this year? You got Carlos Hyde coming back. Is is Reggie Bush coming back, or is he still trying to sue St. Louis for his name? <laughs> uh, yes, from all account, um, what I've heard, yes, he is still trying to sue them. Um, at the same time, he's a free agent. Um, he is not coming back. Uh, the Niners have moved forward. Uh, they did draft um, in the sixth round uh, Taylor, uh, Kevin Taylor, who is, as you know, the legendary Fred Taylor for Jacksonville. They played for Jacksonville all those years. So um, the Niners drafted the previous year, uh, Mike Davis from South Carolina State uh, in the fourth round. So you talking about Ruben Drones who came on and played well uh, for us last year. He 
played well. So you have about four backs in there that are very capable and have different skill sets. And Chip Kelly, if you look at his trend and his offense, he likes to use roughly two to three running backs by a committee and utilize their skill set. So I think with a healthy Carlos Hyde, who's dropped weight down to about 220, played about 235-ish uh, the previous years, so I think you're going to have more of an explosive Carlos High, and if he's healthy, he can definitely be a twelve to fifteen hundred yard back. All right, so you guys got Torrey Smith uh, signed him to a deal last year. Anquan Bolden still out there uh, as a free agent right now. How does the rest of the wide receiver core flesh out? Well, a lot of unknowns, Larry. Let's be honest here. A lot of unknowns, uh, unproven's, um, but. One of the things we like to say in football, high potential, right? So uh, you have DeAndre Smelter from last year, uh, who was basically redshirted due to injury. He has an Antoine Bolton type of body, uh, 11 and a half inch hands. Uh, the Niners are really high on him at 6'2", 226. Uh, we've got this guy that's out the CFL, uh, 1,400 yards, 80-some catches, 7-10 touchdowns, who's 6-3, uh, Rodgers. So uh, they have some upside as far as the receivers. And then in the draft, we took the guy out of Michigan State, um, Aaron McBride. So I think that the Niners are comfortable at this point. And let's factor in this. Torrey Smith only got about three to four attempts a game, if that. So you're talking about a better utilization of Torrey Smith in a better scheme. Uh, you're also talking about the offensive line is going to be addressed, so that's going to help the running game and more time for the quarterback, Blaine Gabbert, potentially, if it's going to be him, to give more time for the receivers and a scheme that basically complements their attributes and their skill sets. So that's where we can, in a sense, uh, at with that. So let's take a, a step uh to the side for a minute and talk about the the draft because you mentioned the offensive line there now one of the most surprising moves of the first round was when the 49ers traded back into the back end of the first round um and drafted uh josh garnett who um in many many people's eyes um wasn't the best guard in the draft but the 49ers traded into the first round and made him the first guard drafted in the first round and and just you know wondering if if you knew why it was the 49ers wanted that particular guy so they traded back in the first round to get him somebody they probably could have gotten with their first pick in the second round okay well let's 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 put the cards on the table uh seattle was picking not that far behind us in the first round and uh later later on it came out that uh they were highly looking to draft him now, Seattle is a team that's built on physicality. Uh, we did not do well at winning in our division. Seattle's been a thorn. Uh, you have to get through them along with Arizona. So if you think that Seattle's going to draft him and you know that they lost, uh, I believe it's uh, Sweezy, their left guard. So you know that they have a opening you know that they really didn't address that in the offseason. So it's highly pr 
probable that they're going to take a guard. They end up taking a tackle that plays guard when they pick a few slots later. That's number one. Number two, let's look at what they really gave up. You gave up a second, you gave up a fourth, and you gave up a seventh. You got back a six, and then you move up into the first round. So you had multiple fourth-round picks. So you just gave up one. You came into the draft with 12 picks. You're only supposed to have seven. You were playing with house money. So now, then you look at need. When you look at the need, the Niners needed an offensive lineman and offensive line help back. Let's also look at this. He comes from Stanford. That's right in the backyard of the 49ers. And the Niners hosted a pro day, Larry, right before the week of the draft. Guess who attended? Joshua Garnett. They got to see him up and close and personal again outside the combine. So now let's connect all these dots. You got more inside than any other team on this guy. And Chip Kelly sees him. He's nimble. And so he fits what he wants to do. And here's here's the nail in the coffin for you, Larry. The Niners used to be the bully on the block. Then we started getting bullied. Right? right? This guy, Joshua, uh, uh, per David Shaw, his quarterback, says, I mean, his uh, head coach at Stanford, he says, when they got in the fight, the one that led the charge was Joshua Garnett. The Niners needed to get back to being bullied. And let's face it, he, he won the award for all the best linemen. Uh, he was by far, you know, by all consensus, the best blocking guard in this, in this draft. So if that is your guy, you giving up a fourth round and a, and, a, and a seventh round to go get them because when you package your second round and go up into the first and you think Seattle's going to get them, it's a keep away game. Uh, sure. So 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 I think by all consensus, like I pointed out, that's why they went to go get him because he also says, here's the identity and the force that we want to play up. And I'm going to leave you with this quote on this. This is what chip kelly said and i quote big people beat up little people All come right. on larry yeah so i mean you 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 had to replace um boone you had to replace your potty who left who left last year so i mean it definitely makes sense that you would uh go and get an interior uh lineman to help there you still have joe staley uh on the offensive line um Anthony Davis is unretiring, but he doesn't want to be in San Francisco. Do you know the situation with that? Yes, I do, uh, Larry. Uh, in honesty, uh, this guy frustrates a lot of 49er fans. He goes on Twitter and plays this, I'm retiring, I'm unretiring, uh, I don't like Balky, and Balky's getting on my nerves, and you should go ahead and take a draft and tackle, and you should do this. Listen, there comes a point in time Man up, and if you say that you're going to come back, then come back. Now, the latest thing, Larry, was that uh, he was in um, 
bad uh, shape as far as out of shape as far as football shape. Of course, he hasn't played, but they were saying that he's not even been in good shape. So uh, you're talking about a guy that I don't know how well he would have been received, Larry, honestly, in that locker room for all the games that he's been playing on Twitter. Uh, to me, the, the Niners do not need that distraction, and that's why I'm kind of definitely glad that they addressed in the fifth round by taking those two tackles kind of back-to-back that they did to address that. And you have Trent Brown from last year, who was a seventh-round pick out of Florida, who started two-and-a-half games, who's 6'8", 350-plus pounds, who shows some promise. So to me, um, I think the Niners, uh, off the record, have moved on for Anthony Davis. So on the defensive side, the last two years, it, it, it would appear that um, defense has been a big emphasis uh, for the 49ers. You had Armstead, uh, Jaquiski Tart, who I like to say is a Key and Peel all-star yep. name right there. Uh, Jaquiski, that's a name for you, right? Jaquiski, that's that's something, right? Jaquiski Tart, just the two names together. Just that's I can I can honestly just see one of Key and Peel's characters doing that, can't yes. you? And um, then on this year, the first round, uh, DeForest Buckner, uh, third and fourth rounds, he got a couple of corners and a, and, a, and a defensive end with the first pick in the fifth. All of this emphasis on defense, how many of these guys are going to be contributors going forward? That's a good question. Um, I'll tell you this. DeForest Buckner, without question, let's just start there. Um his defensive line coach comes over from this been with Chip Kelly, was with him with Oregon. He knows him, the connection there, and obviously Chip Kelly. Obviously, at the same time, Eric Armstead, they were basically teammates at Oregon. So we know that it's not going out of limb that he's going to be, if not starting, having real big role on his team and making an impact. Uh, and then as far as I believe we got a steal – and Ronald Blair from Appalachian State, the defensive tackle. Now, he actually dropped. Uh, Todd Mashehad of ESPN, he had a third-round, worst-case scenario, fourth-round grade on him. However, at 6'2", 284, 285, he didn't have the ideal measurables and coming from a small school, but he dominated where he was at. So that's why he dropped. He has versatility uh, to play defensive tackle and in across the line. The Niners want to use him in that mix. Uh, I believe this was all about depth with that pick. At the same time, impacting the rotation. And here's why. When you're playing with a head coach, Chip Kelly's team, chances are, based upon the up-tempo, the defense is going to be on the field a lot. So based on that, you're going to need depth. That's where the other corners come in. Our defensive coordinator that came over to Browns, uh, Jim O'Neill, plays a lot of man, right? Man, bump and run, coverage, et cetera. The corners that they drafted, the 49ers, and uh, Rashad uh, Robinson and Real Wetman, uh, they basically are quick twitch guys, bump and run guys. So they fit that depth. And – Remember, let's not forget this. 65% of the league, Larry, last year was in nickel. 
right? Yeah. So yeah. so that's why we drafted the corners. That's why we drafted heavy on defense with the uh, interior linemen for a reason. And let's not forget, it's a copycat league, Larry, as you know. Look at the playoffs. Look at what Denver did. They neutralized the MVP Cam Newton off defense and pass rush. And right. so this league goes year to year. One year it might be explosive offenses up tempo. The other year, now this was a defensive-minded, quality, talented draft. And so because of that, it was rich from that aspect. And you look at what just happened. So I believe going back to back to the ages, defense wins championships. The Niners aspect here was, you know what? Let's get quality depth because we figuring to be on the field potentially for a lot of plays. So what else do we have coming back on defense? Because uh, you, you got Ian Williams, you're bringing him back. Quentin Dial's coming back. Navarro Bowman will finally be healthy. Um what else do you have on, on defense? Like, what fills out the, the linebacking core? That used to be, like, the calling card there for the 49ers with Patrick Willis and company. Uh, aside from Navarro Bowman, who else is left on the, the linebacking core now? Well, uh, number 59, Aaron Lynch, uh, coming from the outside outside uh, pass rusher. Uh, you're talking he has six and a half sacks. He'll be going into his third year. I, I thought that he came into the season a little out of shape. Uh, that's not happening with Chip Kelly. I, I watched the uh, the OTAs and stuff like that. He looks more in shape now than he did last year. Uh, you go to the other side of the Mod Brooks. You got uh, Tank Carradine that is now dropping down to about 260, 265. He's going to come out as an outside pass rusher. Uh, also, too, you talking about Will Hoyt is going to be fully healthy, is fully healthy at middle linebacker next to Navarro. But at the same time, Hodges, that we got the trade from Minnesota uh, a few games into the year, um, he's very explosive, very fast. And actually, he was on the Penn State roster be playing behind Navarro Bowman in college. So there's some chemistry and camaraderie there. His only problem there it was technique. Uh, he wasn't wrapping up. That can be taught. That can be coached out of you. Another thing, too, he overran play. He was so pumped up and excited. At 24 years old, he was overrunning plays. But he did make splashes. So I believe that the Niners said we're comfortable uh, uh, with our linebacking core. Um, at the same time, they're going to get pressure up front. And let's not forget you got the return of Anthony Bethea. Uh, you got Reed back there at free safety. And I believe Tark will be used as a hybrid, kind of like they do Chandler in Seattle as a safety in the box. Kind of like also, um, uh, Dion Buchanan from uh, Arizona, too. Correct, correct. Good call out there. Uh, so you're talking about a nickel, as we know, 65%, as I alluded to. But you're talking about coming in the box. Uh, playing some of that backer right there, uh, no doubt. And so I believe that you're going to see that more. Uh, so here's the key thing that a lot of people don't really talk about, Larry. Eric Mangini had the 49ers playing zone. And 
we played in zone about 70, 80% of the time. We rarely played man. And so in that zone, I don't believe that fits the skill set of our secondary, right? Right. And he overcoached uh, a lot. Uh, that's why he got the nickname Man Genius. He was the Mike Marks of defense, right? So what happened now, this Jim O'Neill guy coming from, from um, not Chicago, but from the Browns, excuse me, he's in a more aggressive style, bump and run, press, man. And look, you know this as well as I do. When the corners are bump pressed, taking that receiver off his route, that buys the pass rush just a few seconds more to get there. It goes hand in hand. And I believe the scheme that's going to be more aggressive is going to help our talent strive better and have more improvements than last year. And I, you know, and I definitely believe that they, they played a lot of zone uh, last year and, and only one year removed from, you know, Harbaugh running that uh, Harbaugh and company on that, that defense that was just murderous when they ran, you know, man defense, attack style, you know, getting after the the quarterback and, you know, that very aggressive defense they had. And to have, you know, man genie basically have them sitting back on their heels waiting for something to happen instead of going out to make something happen really did hurt you guys last year. Without question, Larry, there's no doubt. Uh, those are just facts, not fiction. Right. So looking at the schedule this year, uh, you guys drew the NFC South and the AFC East. And, um, you know, when the schedule came out, was there anything that jumped out at you that you were excited? Like what dates on the calendar were you circling? Well, let me just get this out. No doubt, because I am on the Chicago Bears review. <laughs> I was definitely excited about the, the matchup with Chicago Bears again. And I believe the NFL was because we, you know, we everybody knows we had that thriller in Manila and that overtime, right? Yeah. So, so but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the New England pa- the New England Patriots. Okay. Uh, Tom Brady being a San Mateo Bay Area native, uh, uh, and then it being the Patriots, uh, no doubt. Uh, that's something you look at. I believe that uh, we ca- we got Carolina on the schedule. You want to see how you match up against those guys uh, and, and and that team. Um, but I tell you what, there is no hiding from our schedule, and Chip Kelly um, is going to have. His work cut out for him. Yeah. He's going to have to coach his butt off because there's no hiding with this schedule in this division. Yeah, yeah, you got uh, you got the Rams up front right on Monday Night Football to start things off, and then at Carolina, at Seattle, that's a tough three game stretch to start the season off with. Uh, yes, it is. And you mentioned that Rams game, uh, and, and, and and let's look at this like this. You have. You know, you have Jared Goff, who grew up a Niners fan, okay, wanted to get drafted by the Niners and didn't turn out uh, that way. Uh, But at the same time, that is going to be highly um, tuned in by Niners fans, the Bay Area, California, et cetera. And he's going to be highly motivated to beat us. So that's definitely – something on Monday night. And I'm going to tell you something. You said it when you mentioned Minnesota. Last year, up under Jimmy T, we won that first game. Right. 
right, on Monday night. So you better believe Chip Kelly, there's pressure on him to win that first game in St. Louis, uh, that first game, uh, I believe we at home. Yes. Yeah, we're at home. So it's pressure to win that first game definitely on Monday night with the Jared Goff, I mean, the, with Jared Goff aspect in there and it being on Monday night. Yeah, and, and the other thing that I'm noticing is that the last the last half of the schedule, you got uh, you got a bye week, week number eight, and then out of the last eight games, five of them are on the road, including four out of the last six. You go at Miami, at Chicago, home for the Jets, and then on the road, Atlanta, L.A., and then home again to finish off with the with the uh, with the Seahawks. So. You know, teams are supposed to play better at home. Y'all going to have to get that done in the early part of the schedule. Well, yes, uh, Larry. Uh, the 49ers are challenged throughout this whole season with this schedule. Yeah. We were not a good road team last year at all. See, see, don't don't bring that up because last year you guys were over the road until you came to Chicago and <laughs> – and y'all beat us and yeah that was was, I mean because that was that was one of the things that I talked about in the preview episode last year was at that point and actually throughout the rest of the season the Bears only won one game in Chicago last year when they beat the Raiders week number four so it was the Bears hadn't won I think they'd lost three road home games in a row the 49ers hadn't won a road game yet so something's got to give here and unfortunately for us the 49ers got their first win on the road in Chicago and the Bears losing streak in Soldier Field uh, continued. So I'm, I, it's well documented, especially on my side, how well the 49ers were doing on the road before they came to Chicago last year. Hopefully it's not a trend that will continue, or at least it won't come to that. It won't be, hey, it's because it, when I saw the schedule, the thing that I, was, that I thought was so funny was that not only are the Bears and the 49ers playing again in Chicago, but they're playing the exact same week almost to the day that they did last year. They played on December 6th, week 13. This year it's December 4th, week 13, almost to the day. A year ago, return to the scene of the crime, the Bears and the 49ers going at it again. I like that. I like the return to the scene of the crime. You know what? It's, it's funny that you say that, and I, I totally agree. One of the things that I look to about our on-the-road record uh, – we had a lot of youth, and that's one of the things Navarro Bowman spoke to. Uh, when guys were at home, they were usually getting out their own beds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm hoping, being optimistic here, that by all consensus here is that the Niners' youth being the top five youngest team in the league, that we took our bumps and bruises last year from our uh, play in general, but particularly on the road. And hopefully we learn from that. Hopefully there's a maturation process that we grow from that and we get better on the road. But you know what? We got to earn it. Uh, we got to work hard and uh, we got to do, do our due diligence to perform at a high level because nothing will be given to us. We got to take it. And the Niners have to come out with that type of intensity that type of mentality that we did not have, nor did we even sustain at all, let alone on the road. So I'm with you 110% uh, on that. Uh, it's going to be a tough challenge. But like I said, um, Chip Kelly, 
definitely is going to have to earn his money this year, particularly on those road games of back-to-back all those top uh, competitive and uh, top talented teams. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's going to uh, to wrap us up, uh, Q. I appreciate you uh, being on the show. And as uh, we talked about before we before we did the show, is that we definitely want to have you back on uh, prior to week 13 to kind of compare notes, see where our teams are 12 weeks into the season and uh, what we can look forward to heading into that last quarter uh, of 2016. Hey, Larry, uh, it's been a pleasure to be on the show at Chicago Bears Review. I would love to be on the show again. Uh, you've been great. You've been awesome. Um, thank you for your hospitality. I, I mean, I can't see it saying enough more. Uh, thank you. I very much appreciate it. Well, I'm very glad that we actually got a 49er guy for the 49ers this time around instead of uh, like it was last year, just two Bear fans kind of talking about the, uh, the 49ers. So I'm glad to have you on board, and uh, we look forward to having you back on. Uh, yeah, and uh, I would definitely like to come back on and uh, let you know where I'm at as far as uh, my, my website being up and everything like that. And again, uh, all your listeners can follow me at, at QSims39 on Twitter. Much appreciated. Thanks for the love. Not a problem. Sequoia Sims. And uh, we'll be getting in, back in touch with him, see what's going on with him later down the line. And, of course, we'll have him back on when the 49ers play the Bears. Once again, want to say thank you to uh, Sequoia or Q, as he likes to be called, uh, for being on the uh, for being on the show. Like I said, we can uh, find him on Twitter. Uh, Q is in the letter Q. Q Sims thirty nine, all one word, uh, on Twitter to find him and follow him, and, and when he'll be launching his new uh, site. Looking forward to uh, checking that out, and of course, we will have him back on for the Week thirteen preview. Uh, between the Bears and the 49ers. And as you heard me say, return to the scene of the crime because the Bears, and it wasn't even the 49ers who committed the crime. It was the Bears, without a doubt. It was a crime that Robbie Gold missed two field goals. If he makes one of them, the game is over. If there's no holding penalty on the punt return for a touchdown, the game is over. You know, it's the, I believe the 49ers scored a pick six uh, in that game. If that doesn't happen, the, the, the game is over in regulation, the Bears win, and so on and so forth. So many things that went wrong. But as you said, as you heard, uh, as you heard Sequoia say, uh, over, you know, there was there was hope because the Bears were let, leaving us in it, leaving us in it. And then, like I said, in overtime, can't take anything away from him. It wasn't a blown coverage or anything like that. It was just flat-out Torrey Smith speed down the sideline, ball game over. The 49ers earned it in overtime, but it should have never gotten that far so that's one when the schedule came out that's the one i had circled that's the one we got to get back we got to take that one back from the 49ers and we'll see when week 13 rolls around if that game has any uh any meaning for either or both teams uh going into that last uh, quarter uh of the season so Great to have him on. Looking forward to having him back. And uh, we will have you back here in a, in a few days, about three, four days. We will have Sander Phillips from Bucks Nation on SB Nation back on the show to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I had a conversation with him earlier today, actually, and uh, just want to space out these shows a little bit so I'm not overwhelming you guys uh, too much. So we're going to have him on the show. A uh, little bit of a shorter show because uh, – uh, 
Sandra and I will only will only talk for about 35 minutes uh, or so, much less than the 45 to 50 that uh, Sequoia and I uh, went uh, talking about the 49ers. But, um, you know, both teams with coaching changes, but San Francisco with a farm, you know, let's just be honest, San Francisco with a little bit more of an interesting situation going on there because there's no quarterback controversy in Tampa Bay. It was just the whole uh, you know, Lovey getting fired after only two years, and not only did they fire Lovey, but they they hired from within. So basically, that they, they hired the guy that they were afraid to let go, to let get away, and uh, and so on. So we talked to Sander about that, and um, you know, get his feelings and his take on it, and uh, how he feels about the Bucks moving on from Lovey so quickly. Um, when when really the the Buccaneers in and I, I did the math when I was talking to Sander, they had thirteen draft picks in Lovey's two years at Tampa only one of them was a defensive player and that's where they faltered in those two years was on the defensive side so they let Lovey go even though he never really had a chance to build his own defense with his own player so we'll see how Sander feels about all that we have a nice conversation with him about it so check back with me in a few days for episode two and uh, episode two of 14 as we said earlier today and part two of the same place opponent previews Uh, As we move along, after we get done with the same place opponents, we move on to the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans, the uh, the Houston Texans, the Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts. We got people lined up for all of those uh, right now. So be on the lookout. It's it's going to come hard and it's going to come fast between now and July when we wrap up everything and get ready for training camp, the preseason and most importantly, the 2016 regular season, it's getting so close. I mean, every now and then, the NFL likes to dash my hopes by showing how many actual days are between now and kickoff on September. Well, they like to say September 10th when that Thursday game gets played, but who cares about that? They're talking about September 13th, week one, when the Bears play the Texans uh, and everything. Looking forward to that when they always throw up how many Sundays between now and then or how many days. It's like, oh, really? It's that many days? It's it, it, it doesn't feel like it is, or it just makes it feel so much further when they throw up the numbers. So I hate it when they do that. But we'll live with it. The number gets smaller every day, and the 2016 season will be here before you know it. But between now and then, I'm going to keep you guys busy with these opponent preview episodes, giving you all the information that you need to prepare and know what we need to know about these opponents going into the 2016 regular season. So be on the lookout in a few days for Sander Phillips in the same place opponent preview for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. 
the Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. <laughs> 